you got the video focused on you. Yeah. Alec, video focused, All right. correct? Or as I can tell. <laughs> Alec is there to make sure it works. Everything's waiting for Alec. <laughs> hey, Marshall. Hey guys, welcome to the Draftsman Podcast. My name's Sam Rikopenko. I got my co-host... Marshall Vandruff. <laughs> we are artists. We make a podcast for artists. Here we are. And today, we have our first guest. People have been waiting for and asking for new faces and new voices. They're getting tired of us. So, here we are. We got Scott Flanders. Some of you might know him uh, from... I think, Scott, did we, is it four videos that you've done on the Proco channel now? Yeah, four or five. I think we've done five. So, some of you might have seen some of those. Those are really good videos. For those of you that don't know who Scott is, he uh, he went to Cal State Long Beach. He then got a job at Turtle Rock Studios. He worked on Evolve. Um, he freelanced for a while and then he got a job at Riot. Uh, worked on Legends of Terra, and that that's a new game that just came out, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, just released this year. And then he just, just very recently, he left Riot to do his own thing. And he started uh, his own studio, Tar Pit Studios. Yeah. He's got his own Patreon. Uh, is there a short link for that? Or should we just put it in the, in the description? I don't even know what that means. What's a short link? <laughs> <laughs> like like patreon.com slash Scott. Yeah, or yeah there is. Or, Sorry, yeah. I guess yeah, patreon.com slash shapecarver. Shapecarver. Okay, yeah. cool. Yeah. yeah, we'll also have it in the description. So, if you guys want to support Scott um, and he does mentorships on there. So, yeah, he's an awesome teacher, really good concept designer. Um, so, today we're going to be talking about working in the entertainment industry um what it's like to be a concept designer um why he left the industry mm -hmm. <laughs> kind of i'm down to talk about that i think we should i think it's good okay yeah. perfect that'll be interesting yeah that will be very interesting <laughs> so why he left and uh, also like what it's been like transitioning what it's been like working on your own starting a patreon starting your own youtube channel like you're in the very kind of the beginning of it you've been what is it six six months in now or something like that or even less than that six months yeah it's awesome made it through my first six months man marshall what what do you want to hear first <laughs> scott marshall we've intended to talk for the last number of months and we haven't gotten to it so now we're talking with each other in front of the world I know, I know it's about as stressful as it could be, but it's okay. <laughs> yeah, man, it's been a while. It's been a long time since I really, really had an opportunity to speak with you. Probably, probably years, actually. It was a little over a year ago when you were at uh, Cryptozoic. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's true. Yeah, it was just in passing. Yeah, me and the buddies were doing our, um... oh, you might have met Alec there. We were doing the uh, Tar Pit Wars thing. So yes. We're still kind of working on that. It's sort of on hold for the moment, but the kit bashing project where we, we generate lists of prompts for monster designs and then we, we build those and then we get together and have battles, like tabletop battles, uh, like a, basically a board game. But yeah, that's what we were doing that time. And we've had so many students in common that I hear about you all the time, always positively. Your students <laughs> love you and you have been a mentor to so many of them. So, yeah, That's even cool. though we haven't talked, 
I do feel connected with you and am by way of conversation with many of our students. Yeah, same here. Yeah, Gary, always, the other guys, <laughs> they're always, they're always pass, passing along information. I don't know your history as far as your career is concerned, other than what Stan just said. I've heard a bit of it from your students, yeah. but I am interested in this about how teaching began, how learning went, how teaching began, and how it's evolved where you've been willing to leave one thing to pursue another. Those transitions are always instructive as to the reasons why and also inspiring for people who are saying, should I make the change or should I stay with what's familiar? So I'm, I'm eager to hear this. The game industry is, it's, a, it's an amazing place for young people to get experience, to be able to begin to build a life, to build connections. Um, it can be really exciting, but <laughs> you know, it also, it definitely, th this is the stuff where, yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure. I, I want to really attempt to be my, like myself here and really share my honest thoughts, but I think it, the industry really comes with a dark side um, in, in the way it can uh, like take over your life, like monopolize your life and the way you spend your time and specifically your creativity. Um, so I think that the game industry is a wonderful thing. Like without game, like games has enabled thousands and thousands of young people to begin to make a living, to build families, you know, own homes, like, you know, just to build a life. And that's, that's a big deal for artists and creative people because that hasn't always exi existed. There hasn't always been a place for people with developing skills to go and master their skills. You know, I think about, um, like Marshall, you probably, this probably makes sense to you. Like, if you look back maybe like a hundred years ago, it's only the artists that are especially mastered, someone like a Dean Cornwell or a Rockwell or a Leindecker, who could actually tap into, you know, certain markets to be able to make a living and make a lot of money. And a lot of other people, I think a lot of other creative people were, I don't know, sort of left high and dry. But um, video games, it seems like a place where you can come in and you can be really junior and you can still be of value. Yeah. Is it kind of like a typical office job? Because that was kind of my experience with animation. I only, I mean, I, I, I never had a job in it. I only had an internship. But yeah. to me, that's what kind of what drew me away from it was it, it didn't feel like, it wasn't what I envisioned it to be when I, when I was a kid that wanted to become an animator. It became an office job. My jobs have been pretty damn fun, to be totally real with you. Like it's, you know, you're with a bunch of, at best, you were with a bunch of nerdy buddies, you know, sitting around. You know, we all had like Nerf guns and all of our collectible statues and artwork and art books. And, yeah. you know, we're all just like shooting the shit. And it's, it can be a, it can really be a blast. There's a lot of camaraderie. It can really at its best, it can be wonderful and not feel like a desk job at all. Cool. I mean, fundamentally, you're still sitting at a computer in the dark all day. And that's part of, that's really been part of my main, like one of the, main reasons I want to move away from it, you know. Now I want to sit in a dark room on a computer editing videos, <laughs> you know. A step up. Yeah, that was about to say, you're, I mean, are you really getting away from that? I know, it's dumb. But games are interesting and we could go deeper, like just as far as like socially, the kind of social dynamics, like um, the different kind of demographics, like 
it's an interesting place. It can be really contentious. It can be a difficult environment to be able to uh, like to find a place to really be yourself. I'm curious about that. I mean, those are those are little hints at what we might talk about. Do you want to dive into it? Yeah, we can dive into it because we can always edit it. Yeah, it's it's really it's like super left leaning, like extremely liberal, and I, I'm not necessarily conservative. I'd say I'd identify more as a libertarian type of person. Um, I just don't I don't like to be controlled, and I feel like the game industry tends to be dominated by personality types that. At least, like people in like uh, like pr producer roles, leadership roles, like programmer type, the, the programmer type personality in general, um, engineers. Uh, it tends to be like a lot of attempt to control people in their lives, the way they spend their time, and even if even somewhat indirectly through the use of apps like uh, like Slack, like through communication apps, like you're just like always connected to these people. You know, you're crunching, you spend so much time together with them. They make the studios so appealing that it's almost like an addictive environment. It's like we're creating addictive products, but then we're also creating an addictive environment. That can, yeah, again, it can really monopolize your time. And, you know, I found it was pretty, when my son was born, it was just made especially clear that I was spending more, more of my life with these you know, with these other fellow nerds of, you know, friends of mine than I was with the people with my family. And that's like a problem. That's fundamentally a problem. I think it's actually yeah. like, uh, I actually think it's, it's not okay. <laughs> it's, it's gross. Was it because you, you, you weren't going home after work or you were just having really long hours? Was that by choice because it was an addictive environment or was you're forced to... Bit of both. Stay long hours. Bit of both. Okay. You know, always, especially as a younger artist too, like initially... You know, again, you know, I have to like try to, you know, balance this a little bit because games has been really good to me and I met a lot of wonderful people and without the first opportunities I was given, I wouldn't be able to attempt to do the things I'm trying to do now. So, mm -hmm. it's it's not just like a, a one-sided story. It's just that I found found myself at the place that's been about 10 years and I have my little boy and just don't, didn't quite feel like I fit in with the model anymore. It wasn't quite... It uh, wasn't quite an appropriate fit. Yeah. But um, yeah, I mean, initially I was doing like 16 hours and stuff at Turtle Rock. And most of that was because I was such a bad artist. <laughs> I was such a bad artist that I just had to work really long to try to get better and, you know, to make good art. Like that's actually the truth. <laughs> so, I was somewhat self-imposed. This was at Turtle Rock Studios? Yeah, at Turtle Rock. Yeah. My, my first couple of years, that was my first gig. I had, like when I first met you, Marshall, was when I had uh, left... I'd left Cal State Long Beach and graduated, but uh, I did not. I did not have a portfolio that could get me a job. You know, Cal State Long Beach had a lot of really good instructors and good people, but the things that I wanted to learn, like I wanted to learn to paint fantasy monsters, and like you know, Marshall, I wanted to paint stuff like Justin Advance, and um, you know, and there wasn't really anyone I was interacting with there that could like help me figure out how to do that better. It was just kind of like, here's a place you go to school. And you're spending money on and on the side, go figure out, you know, how to become a professional. It's kind of strange. I, it's not to say that I didn't learn. I actually did learn a lot from those people and was exposed to a lot of cool ideas and things. But um, when I left Cal State Long Beach, I went through a period of kind of like a limbo state for about two years where I moved home with my parents. Fortunately, I have a good relationship with my parents. And I did a bunch of different odd jobs and I was... 
when I first met you, Marshall, I was a, I was like a ranger up in Big Bear, and uh, and that was actually a really fun time. But it's so interesting because I was like so consumed with trying to get into the not even to get into the industry, just to get a job. I thought I was going to try to become like a Magic the Gathering, like a Magic card illustrator or something along those lines. And uh, anyway, so I had to spend two years where I was just really building a portfolio again from scratch. And uh, that's when I was taking workshops with you guys and uh, or with you. I'm sorry to interrupt you, but it's all coming back now. You were you were a ranger in Big Bear and we were emailing. Yes. Were you coming down from Big Bear to take classes in Orange County or? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's when I, yep. That's when I was kind of, that's when I was, <laughs> that's when I was tailing you. Yeah. <laughs> Can I ask which classes? It was the anatomy ones. I took your, I think I took one of your draftsmanship ones and your anatomy ones. Okay. I think I've taken the anatomy one twice. I think I took draftsmanship once. And then when I, when I was freelancing between my time at Turtle Rock and, uh, and Riot, I took another course with you with my buddy, Mike Brainerd in uh, San Clemente or something like that. And it was like a really fun one. It was really, it was kind of unconventional. It was like in this really small room in a really par like beautiful part of downtown San Clemente. And it was about like uh, identity, like, like the, the kind of stuff that I really care about. It, and it was, it was like just what I needed. It was the artistic development course. Yeah. 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 It was, it was awesome. Temperaments and achievement and creative process and how to get hired in the arts. That was like 2017, January of 2017. Yeah. Okay. Gosh, now it's all coming back to me, Scott. Yeah. So I did that with Mike Brainerd. That was a lot of fun. Me and him are working on our own personal project for, for those two years as well. This project, Wolves in the Green, it's like a, like a, you know, kind of a classic concept artist, art book, you know, game pitch, kind of all encompassing IP thing that we were doing. And uh, anyways, yeah, that was the last time. I think that was the last time you and I chatted. Man, everybody's studied with Marshall. It's amazing. <laughs> I know. It's a good, that's a good thing. It seems like a long time ago. The reason that's the case is because that's like when my son was born. My son is five years old now. And basically, I went through like a massive, like a reorientation in my life and just, just, just growing up, I went through like a, you know, just a big developmental period where I feel like I matured a lot and changed a lot and had a better idea of what I wanted to do. And, and that hundred percent corresponds to my son's birth. Okay. But yeah. So after Cal State Long Beach, I did the Ranger thing. I was trying to like, I was just trying to figure out like what the hell to do. I had no idea what I was going to do. Um, I really didn't, <laughs> I really did not know what I was doing at all. Um, but I had a lot of energy and passion and I was just kind of like banging my head against the wall with art. I was super productive, but it was all kind of, you know, just <laughs> none of it's, none of it exists in my portfolio anymore. But somehow that led to, I, I saw some posts on conceptart.org for a concept art position at Turtle Rock Studios. And it was like the coolest like the most, it was like the dream job posting. Everybody like, it's, it's like, it was too good to be true, like a blessing. And it was like concept artists wanted, must have good ideas and 2D drawing skills. And that's it. Not like, like, like every drawing post ever is like, must know Maya, like must have five plus years of experience, you know, must know ZBrush, you know, just like all the software packages and the, the barrier to entry for students, you know, like those requirements are actually pretty, they're pretty, pretty steep and intimidating. And that first job posting had none of those. It was like, hey, kid, 
you like to draw? I was like, yeah. Like, <laughs> wow, that's rare. You know what I mean? Like, do you like video games? Like, I sure do. You know, like, and I and I I played Left 4 Dead. That was like their big claim to fame. The, those guys, at least at that time, that was their big claim to fame. You like money? Yeah, exactly. You like money? He's like, yeah, for sure do. And I I'd been making like less than fifteen thousand. I think my the most I'd ever made up to there was like thirteen, fifteen thousand dollars or something in my life up to getting my first job at Turtle Rock. So it was a, like, that was like a massive change, you know, just in my, that was, yeah, that was another, like a true blessing. That was my first big opportunity that let me in the door. And, uh, but nice. anyhow, I, so, so yeah, I got that, got that gig, moved down to Orange County, my whole, you know, life changed around, you know, worked at Turtle Rock for a while. Initially, you know, super passionate, really poured myself into that project. That's where I learned a lot of, uh, like a lot of like my core professional life lessons where I, you know, you know, over invested into the, you know, into a project, like saw the fallout of that, you know, when you really, like I did the young guy thing where you go in and you're just like ready to pour your heart out and like just fully give it everything you've got. You did that. And then, you know, like the, the model in games, the game industry, it's, it's not always the case that every game you work on is massively successful and you all get big bonuses and you know that's not it's not actually that common and uh that was so that was a big learning experience for me to, to like give that much of myself and then ultimately see the payout not not really come through and uh that was that was instructive because i realized that i needed to look out for myself a little bit more as far as my creative integrity like i needed to be doing more as far as my own art and my own projects to ensure that i wouldn't become jaded or resentful or just to maintain my energy, you know? So, I'd, yeah. at, at work, I'd go more like, you know, I don't know, 80, 90%, but I made sure I always left some gas in the tank for me to use on my own work. And I think that's, I think that's really important, honestly. A lot, lot of interesting lessons there. Um, got to interact with a lot of cool people. Uh, one thing that was really neat about Evolve, like it was like the dream project for a starting concept artist. Majority of young artists that wanna, you know, do concepts, they want to work with characters and creatures. It's pretty common because those are yeah. like the most charismatic, like those are the sort of, you know, those are the, the vehicles that drive narrative in any story or game. And, um, and on Evolve, like that's exactly what we got to do. That game just needed a ton of creatures and monsters. Like I wasn't doing like, you know, crates and buckets and whatever. The most fun thing you can do, I got to do right off the bat. It's what every student puts in their portfolio. It's all the stuff they practice when they're, learning to be a concept artist, right? Yeah, yeah. The reality is that uh, there are guys at the top who have already like really uh, like mastered their skills. You know, they've got like a strong brand. They've worked on a lot of big high profile projects. They've got a big strong network. Um, you know, you're just competing. Like once you get out there, you're competing with a bunch of these guys that we actually got to work with on Evolve. And that was part of what's yeah. so cool about it. I got to work with, like when I look back now, I got to work with Guy Davis, you know, the comic book artist from like BPRD and, um, you know, he has his own graphic novel, The Inferno. He does a lot of stuff for film. Got to work with uh, Peter Koenig, who's like a gangster. Like that guy worked on... <laughs> like a real one? <laughs> Dude, he, he worked on Dragonheart, <laughs> like the Dragonheart movie. Like one of the, like, that was like a milestone in creature design. Like he worked on that dragon. He worked on the soldier bugs from Starship Troopers. He worked on Jurassic Park. 
Like, and, and, and in the days when they were doing like practical effects. So he was not only like yeah. drawing and painting this stuff, but, and not in Photoshop. And then he was going and sculpting these things by hand. And then I got to work with him later when he was like an older man and, and had fully transitioned to, to digital. Like not like a little bit, like he wasn't limping along. He'd come in and, and was just owning it and was just really good. And so, yeah, I got to work with him and this guy, TJ Frame, who'd worked on the uh, like Star Wars prequels. And uh, I came in, Stephen Oakley and I were hired at the same time. This guy, Stephen Oakley, who's just like a really amazing creature designer and draftsman. Uh, we were like hires number 13 and 14. Um, what's another guy? Uh, Kurt Papstein, Majid Smiley. There's just, it was, it was a cool crew of people that have since gone on to go do some really neat stuff. And they're all really talented. And so th that was really good for me. I, I didn't know, you know, I wasn't aware of how important that was going to be or how much I was going to learn from all those people. But I did. I did. Was there a difference working at uh, Turtle Rock and Riot? Heck yeah. Heck yeah. <laughs> so what, what was the difference? Turtle Rock, the, you know, the chief creative officer, you know, he's a, he's a gun toting you know, libertarian, like, you know, watches Western movies and, you know, he just owns that company and does things his way and it's very relaxed and like, it's a, it's, it's very casual. It's very casual. Um, you know, when I look back at it, it's, that was actually really nice. It was, you know, it's not, not, not corporate at all. You know, with like one HR person and then you go to, you know, riot and it's just, it's and you know it's a it's a massive corporation okay you start getting politics politics start to dominate yeah yeah i mean actually i mean politics are everywhere like human just just human dynamics like you know just you know, negotiating a hierarchy like trying to find your place trying to you know move up get raises get promotions be noticed in some ways turtle rock you know that, that yeah that just exists anywhere it's more just the there's just so there's so many people there, you know, so much bureaucracy. It's so, and sometimes like less about <laughs> less about politics and more about just the bureaucracy. Like the, there are just yeah. so many cooks in the kitchen. Like so many, um, just so many steps to get anything done. There's a kind of I don't know if you guys will have to edit this out, but I'm just going to go for it. Like there's there's like a, a kind of a joke at riot when we're there. We call it riot time because you know they just you know, there's so much money there. You can just like two years of my life, like being on site went by in a flash. And like, I, 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 I swear to God, I could just, it just went by so fast and I don't know how it happened. And I feel like I almost had nothing to show for it. Like I just, I just went to this place every day, got sucked into this culture. It's like highly addicting. They give you food and video games and lots of perks and they keep <laughs> sounds you. Sounds amazing. It is. It is. It's a thing. It's actually. <laughs> it sounds like that, you're having fun it, and you enjoying are. your that's, day and well, it's just the, going by. That's what's so interesting about it is it is. It's, but, but there's how long, how long do you do that for? You know, before you grow up. That's, that's part of my, that was part of where I, <laughs> that's where I found myself at. I'm serious. I'm absolutely serious. Yeah. How, how long do you do that before, you know, I want to spend more time with my son. I want to build my own things. I want to work on my own projects. I want to be my own man. I don't want to have to go into a meeting with some person who has no connection to my craft or what I do that is, yeah. you know, a bar between me as a barrier between me and in the expression of the materialization of my ideas. And it's just full of that because 
there are tons and tons of gatekeepers at Riot that are intended to shepherd this money you know, that they have. It's a good idea. It's not a bad idea. It's smart. There's, there's a lot of, they're not stupid at Riot, but the point is it's, it's not the best fit for everyone and it's not going to be the best fit for everyone, you know, depending on where you're at in, in your life. Yeah. When I initially got in there, it was wonderful. It was like a dream come true. And it actually in some way saved my life because I had this little boy and I needed health insurance and, you know, it was, it was, it was, it was wonderful. I felt like I got, you know, welcomed in from the storm, you know, of life to yeah. come in for all. And I, I really look at Riot as my last apprenticeship. And I don't mean that, I don't, I'm not suggesting that I don't have anything more to learn, but it was my last kind of like conscious decision to go in and be the, the young guy, you know, to be the kid. And, um, mm. Yeah. That was really good for me. Do you think it's possible to work at a really big company like that and have a healthy lifestyle though? Like, you know, not have to work 16 hour days, you know, leave after eight hours, um, go ha have your family time and then come back and, and be productive with your work. I is that possible? I think so. I think it is. Yeah. Okay. I, I think it is. I, w I wouldn't, it's, you, can, you can't damn it. I can't be so damning. You just have to make that like a priority and, and try to make it work, right? You have to make it a priority. Like there's just an actual truth that at a certain point, I just didn't want to be there. Like that's a yeah. really, like I got to a point where like, I don't, this is the truth. Like I don't give a shit what we're working on here, right? Like, I don't, for real. Like I just like <laughs> did not give a shit, man. Like this stupid wizard, like whatever, dude. Like it's just, <laughs> I'm serious. Like, I don't want to, I don't want to do that anymore. And, uh, and you know, and that comes with a kind of, it comes with repercussions or consequence. Yeah. I, am, I am accepting that I don't get to then tap into that big pool of income, you know, that income stream that I could kind of count on if I just was a good, you know, a good soldier and went to riot and played along and, you know, drank the Kool-Aid. I could continue to make a good salary and, you know, potentially move up. But at a certain point, it's just yeah. none of the carrots they were dangling were enticing enough to keep me in that place. You know, it's just, they just didn't hold any value to me anymore. Like, in, I feel, I have, Christian asks me all the time, you know, <laughs> he's the instigator here. He's like, you should leave Riot. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> oh, I, I guess I will. I'm just, <laughs> <that's> like, <Christian's laughs> but he, he asks me all the time, like, do you, do you regret it? And I'm like, and he knows what I'm going to say is like, no, not, not even a bit. You were there for three years? Yeah, I did one year freelance contract and then two years in person on site. I don't regret it at all. Yeah, I wish I had more money. You know, it's a part of the, the rotiers to figure out how to do all of this effectively, you know, so I can, you know, just build a life. But I'm not sure the best way to describe it. You just feel like you don't, you just don't matter. <laughs> I don't know, maybe yeah. my, my ego is too, too, and, you know, too big to deal with that. But I didn't like that feeling of just being caught up in the riot time and, and the years beginning to pass. What was it that brought you to th now think that way? Was it that you just didn't want to be there anymore or was it that there was something new that you now wanted to do more yes. than be there? That's, that's part of it. There's, um, I mentioned okay. this in my recent podcast. Actually, and again, we're going to blame Christian here. Just kidding. But like, <laughs> like for, for real though, like you, you have, you have conversations with people that can really open your eyes and turn on light bulbs. And that young man is really insightful. And, and he asked me some questions, some key questions. And, uh, you know, he asked that question, like, what would you do with a million dollars? God, Christian's crazy question. Yeah, he always asks that question, yeah. And, you know, when I was younger, I would have said stuff like, I'm going to get all my buddies and we're going to go sit in some, you know, jacuzzis in Japan, you know, and like, like you know, 
stupid stuff. Yeah. We're going to buy jet of course, skis. Of course. You know? <laughs> and flamethrowers. Yeah. 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 And Christian, <laughs> and he's like, no, that's, that's not what I mean. I mean, like, like if you had, like, if you had a million dollars, would you still be doing what you're doing right now? And I, we were right. doing the Tarpet Studio stuff and I was working on all these side projects and just like, my mind was just everywhere else, but at Riot, like wanting to do all these other things. And I was like, yeah, I would, but I would just have, you know, I could expedite this process. I could be giving more money to these people to make this happen faster. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. uh, and we probably would get some jet skis too. <laughs> and, <laughs> but that was really important to me. And I, and I also was, I wanted to be with my son. My son was in, I was living in Playa del Rey so I could get to work in like 20 minutes. But my son is in Orange County. And so I was making that commute all the time. And, you know, I would, I would have to leave at 2.30 before 3 p.m., to be able to make it back in less than two hours to go see my son. And I did that twice a week and I wanted to be, you know, I, I was fighting really hard to get 50, 50 custody. So I could really be with him more. So part of that was moving closer. So I moved back to Orange County. That's mm-hmm. why I'm in Seal Beach. Now I live like eight minutes from my son. And, um, you know, and then, you know, I asked for some more flexibility to be able to work at home and initially, you know, initially, like, you know, people want to be cool. They want to support their employees and stuff. But at a certain point, it's almost like it was like out of sight, out of mind. I was so, like so happy just being with my son and working on my own projects. And and then I started to, you know, do the videos with you. And I got a feel for like, you know, what that could, I saw what you can build, you know, with that. Like with your own, just with your own will and vision and hard work. And I did this month of sculpting thing with Alec where we sculpted every day in October for the goal was to do it in 31 days or 30 days. We ended up doing like 24 or 25. So that would, that would take out, that would exclude uh, weekends. But, you know, I did, I did all that stuff in about like two, two months. And I feel like I got to see what my life could be like if I was in control of all my like, creative efforts. Yeah. And I loved it. It was serious, like getting a taste of heaven or something. And I could not, none of the other stuff made sense anymore. Like, oh, well, you could get 20,000 more dollars and we'll give you a bogus title and you can be in charge of something (laughs) you don't care about at all, you know? And if you stay here and I'll say, you know, and I'm like, no thanks, like not, not interested. Now I'm curious, you got that taste of what it would be like and now you've been in it for several months yeah was the taste the same as the actual meal now <laughs> <laughs> no this meal is this meal is poorer bro this meal is more it's <laughs> what i'm asking though is like because once you actually go into it full time and now you have to make money off of that thing that you had a taste of yeah there's m- more elements to it now that could make it sour yeah yeah has it soured or does it still taste as good no it hasn't soured at all the, the t- teaching has honestly soured a tiny bit but that's because of the lockdown and coronavirus and the, right, yeah. and the kind of like very um, last minute expectation of like the transition to dig, uh, to teaching online and all that kind of happened really quickly. And I took all my classes onto Discord and then you have, you know, in a given class, you have like 18 people, 20 people or something, right? You get them all onto mm-hmm. Discord. Now you've got like 50, 60 people and they're all <laughs> part of the point of Discord is to be able to hit anyone up at any time. And so I'm getting hit up by all these teenagers effectively 
you know, 50, you know, a bunch of fucking kids like asking me questions. Like, <laughs> I don't, I don't like that. I, I don't like that. I don't. Like, yeah, I don't, you need I'm, your I'm space. a little bit more, I need my space. Yeah, I'm a little more like, when I'm with my boy, I want to be there and present. You know, yeah. I don't want to be distracted. And, and I understand that's like a part of mentorship. It's the same kind of thing. Like, you know, when I was younger, me pulling on Marshall or whatever. But now we have the internet. That's the thing. Now I could be bugging Marshall yeah. all the time on Discord, you know. But can't you have designated time? Like, <laughs> like this is when you answer the questions. Yeah, you can say that, but it doesn't always go down that way. You know, <laughs> like you could say that stuff, but people don't, you know, <laughs> boundaries right. and self-awareness, like maturity levels, all that stuff is, you know, it's going to be different on a case-by-case basis with each individual. And so, you can't, you know, maybe majority of my students are all like really respectful and, and wonderful, you know, but you still get hit up every once in a while by one of them, but at like 6 p.m. or later, you know what I mean? Yeah. And you just get a thing when you're trying to go to bed or you'd rather be doing something else and it's something that breaks your train of thought and if you have limited bandwidth. Anyways. Yeah. So, okay. Now, you're talking about your Patreon right now, right? No, no, no. That's the... No, that was... I'm talking about LCAD right there. Oh, that's from LCAD. Oh, yeah, wow. that's from LCAD okay. because basically we had to transition everything to online and I didn't have a system... I didn't, I had never done that before. It was kind of like, it was new to me. And I'm, I am, I've only been teaching three years. Like it was, it was, it was like a trying to keep up, you know? And, uh, mm. and I took on too many classes, honestly, also. So that was, that was part of it. And part of leaving Riot was I needed to be able to cover a certain amount of overhead. So I took on, you know, probably more classes than I should have taught at LCAD. And that, that wasn't, that wasn't wise. And I think going forward, I will only, like whatever I have to do to like, you know, pay the bills and continue to go forward, I will only teach um, like one, one would be ideal, but two classes at most and then I'll have to supplement income through other sources. Because, I mean, you know yeah. this, Marshall, like teaching in person is in a lot of ways at its best, it's like a performance. You're really bringing it and you're in the moment and there's a certain kind of magic that can transpire, you know, when you're, when you're really doing your best. And that can be difficult to maintain across like a couple sessions in a day. At least for me, it is. It's difficult to go like do it once in the morning and then once again at night. Like I, I want to be able to like really be myself and connect with people and, and really get involved in like the things they're trying to solve. And, and uh, I, I don't want to go through the motions. And uh, I felt like I started to this semester. And so, yeah, so that soured it a little bit. But again, mm -hmm. I think that is just a direct result of our whole country being in a difficult place, you know, yeah. so it's, that's not or the world really. Yeah. That's not, yeah, exactly. That's, that's not the way it's going to be always. You're also right. finding out as you go, you're definitely, I mean, you, you did the thing as a ranger, got a job at a game company, got a job as a, at a bigger game company, uh, developed the earned cynicism that people <laughs> develop when they go into big companies, uh, went into a college, an art college, developed some of the earned cynicism that comes out of that. <laughs> the, uh, yeah. the thing you're doing now where you're going on your own, as I've observed, I don't see that many people become cynical from starting their own business. I see them become uh, frustrated and discouraged and wrecked. But it's a lot, it's, you know, it's the difference between having to deal with a neighbor kid and neighbors that give you trouble in a neighborhood where you've got uh, people who just make it difficult there versus raising your own kid. It's going to be difficult. But it's yours. 
And there's a sense of that, yeah, this is an investment that I have chosen to take on. And it seems like having your own company, having your own projects as more difficult in, in a number of ways than working for a company. But there's a sense of ownership. I would never say that the word cynicism, uh, that the direction of cynicism is where mm -hmm. that goes. It can go to exhaustion, but it can also go to great satisfaction. Absolutely. That's super accurate. That's exactly how I feel. Um, I'd rather, again, yeah, I'd rather be, you know, any of the battles that are ahead or the things like the hard work that needs to be done. I'm fully invested in it. Like I want, I want to engage in those battles. You know, I want to cross those bridges and solve those problems. Like it's exciting to me and scary. And it feels like the natural progression of my life it feels like this is where I should be at. It feels, it feels wonderful. Well, I actually feel super happy, dude. I'm not making like nearly as much money as I made before, but I can pay the bills and go forward. And we're doing this right now. I've got these cool young guys over here. We're all having a good time. We're going to go eat some chicken and waffles after this. And like, it's like <laughs> we're, we're building a little community and it's, it's, it's cool. Like it's, yeah, it feels way more meaningful. I'm building my own little tribe, you know? Where are you, by the way? I'm in Seal Beach, like right near, okay, yeah, like Los Alamitos Bay, yeah, San Gabriel River and stuff. And do you label yourself at all? Do you say that right now I'm at the stage where I'm a mentor? I was a, a you called yourself a soldier at one point, a worker for a big company, uh, a teacher at a, at a school. Uh, now it seems like you, in, in the people that we know together, they label you a mentor very quickly and, and very regularly. Uh, you're also an entrepreneur. Are you thinking of yourself? Is your self-esteem evolving with labels as you go? Yeah, that's a good way to put it too. Yeah, use that term self-esteem. Yeah, it's all related to self-esteem. You know, I'm 35 and there's a big part of this whole transition was kind of like looking at myself and where I was at at Riot and not being satisfied with it. You know, and kind of like looking at the looking at myself in the you know, in the Jordan Peterson lobster pile and like not being happy with my position. Just like fundamentally like deep down in a kind of like instinctual way, like a kind of primal way, felt out of alignment like with where where my psychology is at. I felt like I was a kid, like Peter Pan, like playing around drawing wizards and stuff and not really taking on anything, any danger or risk or responsibility. And it felt wrong. Kind of made me feel gross, actually. Like, like, like a, yeah, like an immature kid. Was it scary leaving or were you more, just more excited and you were excited to, you know, really happy to do it? Both, man. Absolutely. Like high point and not even a low point, but like a, a great deal of fear. And I actually feel it's one of the most truly a defining moment of my life. Because there was a particular, I had a particular opportunity to actually speak my mind to a person that I did not, just fundamentally did not respect and that I was like subject to. And I decided to take it and I, I usually don't do that. And, and I felt like I did it, but all at the same time delivered my feedback or perspectives while exercising restraint. And that was important for me to like speak the truth. But to not, but to not crush someone, you know. Right. That was a big, big deal. It made me feel really. It just made me feel. Yeah, it was a big set. Sure, would love to hear the gritty details of all of that, <laughs> but I'm not sure whether you're willing to go for them. Let's pause the recording. Yeah. Pause the recording and tell us who you said it to and what you said. And their phone number. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. Now, I mean, the truth is, he's not like a bad guy. It's just there's a thing you encounter. Uh, so it's a guy. <laughs> Hint number one. There's a thing you encounter in the art world where, you know, at a certain point, this could have happened to me at Riot. Um, and it could happen yeah. to me now if I don't watch out. 
you, art is fucking hard to deliver at a high caliber, like, like a high level of, of skill on a day-to-day -day basis to actually genuinely solve problems and make good art. It's really hard to do. And it's very stressful. And realistically, artists, like for the most part, are not compensated appropriately. Riot is an exception. They pay people really well. Um, but even still, what will happen is after a while, that level of pressure will wear on someone and they want to like, ex they want to get out of that, that cycle because it's, yeah, it, it'll, it'll eat you up and you'll lose your hair and you know, it's, it'll, it messes people up. Not everyone's cut out for it. And what will happen is those people who are maybe, you know, not the best artists will then end up, uh, like moving into positions of leadership or authority management. Yeah. And uh, shit can get really crazy quick there because you end up with people who are not really qualified, like as far as their technical skills, their vision, their voice, like the level of, like you, you end up with people that are, they got a kind of like a, a natural chip on their shoulder, like an insecurity that's a result of lack of skill and mastery, but yet they're in charge of other people. Yeah. And yeah, I see that all over yeah, like art, like entertainment industry and, and management positions. And these people really like don't don't really have that much business. Like, I, I saw I saw it as an unnecessary burden, like like a, a a literal burden. Like without that person there, my whole team's life would have been better. Yeah. And uh, it's it's a fucking thing, man. And you're like not really allowed to talk about it. And I almost hope you put this in there. I remember a an accomplished creator who was very well known speaking to a group of students. Uh, where I, I was there and he told everybody, all right, if you got tape recorders on, turn them off right now. <laughs> he said the people that make their way into upper management are almost always people who couldn't do the work. They didn't have any skill at doing the work. And so they figure the thing I can do is get into a position of power where I can tell other people what to do. Yes. Now, that isn't always true because I have some people who have been positions of power in my life in ad agencies who I still love and respect because they were good leaders, but they were such a tiny minority of the people, uh, you know, people who are bossy people do seek bossy positions, it seems. Exactly. Yeah. Busybody. Busybody. <laughs> and and yes, the feeling that you get from that is that I could do my work better if I didn't have you with power yeah. over me. And, and it's that that doesn't make any difference to them. They don't care about you doing your work better. They resent it actually more because you'll trigger that insecurity and they'll uh, resent you. It, it can really cause problems. And I feel like that's what yeah. happened to me is I got in this place where I was seeing myself, my brain and creativity tested up against all these like, basically powerful personalities at Riot. That was really good for me, you know, because you got to see, you get to see what you're made of a little bit. And that doesn't mean I'm made of steel. You know, I still suffer from weird anxiety and I'm, I'm not, I'm not the strongest person, but it was a good, it was good for me. And it, 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 it helped me to believe in myself more because you can see who's full of shit, you know, who's, who, you know, is, who has some great works to their name, you know, what have they done? Like, like that's, that's a real, you can look, you know, you can look to someone's record and achievements. So you can see like, like, is their voice on display or not? And then you can make up your mind accordingly. You know, it's, uh, but you don't really get to do that in games because you have to be all PC and nice and you don't, you're afraid of losing your job and your benefits and everybody talking shit about you and, you know, blacklisting you out of the industry. And I just kind of made a decision. I just, I'm not gonna, I, I don't, 
I'm not, I'm not super interested in being involved in, in the game industry in the capacity that I have been. Um, with our studio, like we're actually work, we're going to be working on little mini games, but it, we, we've made very clear, we've set out like a very clear uh, goal or aim to uh, avoid like uh, like too large of scope, getting to a place where any of the projects we're on like get too big and then, you know, where we have to like ask for too much money and then like bring in too many people to fill in gaps that we can't fill ourselves. And, you know, where things become bloated and then you're no longer able to like vet for like real culture fit or real, you know, compatibility. Some of the best art directors that I worked for were people who began as illustrators, which means that they started at the level of being a supplier who has other people above them telling them what to do. And then when they got into the positions of art directors, they had empathy with and understanding of what this person's job is. And it seems like there's some of that going on in your trajectory. You know what it was like to be a worker. And as you are yeah. gradually putting yourself into positions of more power, you don't forget that I too was a newbie and I too was a person who was not able to change policy and so on. It could, yeah. it could do you good as an empathetic leader. I, I agree. I totally agree, man. Yeah. I think it's all, I, I, I don't regret any of these steps. Like I don't, um, they're all, they're all necessary. And even that in that one individual, he's like actually not a bad person. You're a good person. It's just not the right. You shouldn't be my leader. That's all. <laughs> it's that. You know, you, shouldn't be, you really shouldn't be in that position. You shouldn't be leading guys like me. And and it's also a kind of a call. Like, yeah, he shouldn't be. I I needed to take some responsibility. And like, well, if you if you're not gonna if you're not gonna work harder there at Riot to be something to rise in that system, if you don't value that system, then what are you doing here? If you're not gonna listen to me. And you're not going to fight to stay here to move up or to, to find a spot, then you're really just taking up space. And that's kind of, I could, no, that's, that could be the alternative perspective. And that's, you know, that's, that's kind of, I don't know, I guess that's how I feel too. It's time for me to go. Like, yeah, I should leave. Yeah. So on that note, then, how was it? Yeah. How, how, how was the transition? It was scary as hell. I was, because, you know, I had some, there were some, my immediate team that I kind of started with there. There's like three of us, four of us. Uh-huh. Yeah. We were really jamming for a while. Like we really like like zero uh all of us all all of our like everyone had enough self-awareness to be able to deliver feedback. Like for some reason the dynamic worked, you know? Like our our, our egos like in in relation to each other were able to exist harmoniously and constructively, like beautifully. And I actually like, really love those guys. It was, it, was, it was amazing. It was really amazing. Like the best crew I've worked with were these four guys at Riot. Um, but then some other variables got introduced. <laughs> and, uh, and it wasn't the same anymore. But um, so, so it's scary to like lose those people that you love. What was it like starting your own thing? Like how, how has that part been? It was awesome. Thanks to you. Thanks, bro. It's been good having <laughs> like support, you, well, having support of people to kind of like, like pump me up every once in a while, just like your support through, you know, like develop, like doing videos, like, like guidance and, um, right. you know, like, you know, I get to, you know, leverage your experience team and like, I couldn't do this without guys like you, guys like Christian, guys like Alec. It's really, it's been one, one wonderful thing I saw 
in the mm -hmm. weeks after I left Riot was, I don't know if you guys have ever seen the movie, um, It's a Wonderful Life. Yeah, many have times. You seen that, you've seen that movie, Marshall? Yeah. yeah, a number of times. Okay. Okay, me too. And at the end of that film, um, George George's character, like he's like down and out. He's lost, feels like he's lost everything, you know? And all these people in his community, all these people that he's been uh, in many ways pouring himself into in all his day-to-day -day experiences, all these people, it makes me a little emotional right now, all these people, uh, they come to his aid. And that's, that's what it felt like. That's what happened. Is that all these people coming to my aid? And that's like, there's, there's nothing better you could hope for, or ask for in life is when, you know, you're down to like g people who genuinely value you and, and like you, they, they give a damn about you. Cause here, here's the thing. The reason that was so important to me was there have been times in my life where I think I wasn't behaving. I, I wasn't, uh, I was less mature, like more caught up in myself. Uh, less, I don't know, less, uh, less noble a person, an immature, young, dumb guy, basically. And, and, and there were times where I went through tough periods and, and, and no one really came to my aid, you know, except the people that had to, like my mom, you know? <laughs> and uh, so you get to see the difference. Like I got to see it. Like when I, when I made the adjustments to my life over the course of a couple of years after my son was born, you know, as I began to mature, develop in self-awareness, um, become a little less, little less self-concerned because of my son, because you, you have to focus on this other human, like all that, it basically paid off in a way. Like I saw how that, I saw the differences, like these two paths in life play out within a pretty short time frame of like yeah. 10 years, basically, huh. where it's like, here's what life, life is like if you're an asshole, and here's life, what life is like if you're a good guy. <laughs> and yeah. and that's, that was huge. It was really good. Here's part of what I'm getting out of this uh, that is useful for draftsman listeners is that you left the company, which was a security, a place of security, that you went out yeah. into the unknown and that these were coming from dissatisfactions that I need to do something other than what I'm doing right now. Mm -hmm. And that they weren't easy. But as you were speaking, I was thinking of how many people I've seen leave companies leave schools and i my mind was kind of going through how many of them have regretted it and i can't think of any who have regretted it it wasn't that it wasn't hard but it seems like when you leave a place because you're unhappy uh that good things can happen that are not going to happen in staying there and it may be that the people who cannot leave or just will not take the risk uh to leave are not the ones who would uh, if they left, be able to make it. They might be able to, to sense that I need, it is important to me to stay here where I've got this security. You proved yourself otherwise. Maybe. I think all the first part, I would agree with everything about the first part. The second part, I, I think we're all, like every single, single human on the planet right now is the inheritor of like millions of years of, you know, genes that are from like millions of generations of successful survival, like survivors, ancestors that made it, you know, like, I think it's in everyone to be able to do this personally. Well, when people hear the stories of it and they can see that it does happen, 
that can give them the inspiration to say, I think this is what I need to do next and work toward it. <laughs> yeah, everybody, leave your job right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I wouldn't say that. Yeah, exactly. I wouldn't say that. Here, here's, here's an important point. Is oh, like, is that not what we're saying? No. No. <laughs> no? Oh, sorry. Like, for me, it's a combination. It's in encountering a guy like uh, Simon Lee, you know, the sculptor of Spider Zero, some key conversations I had with him and stories he tells that were actually like just they're really like, they're, they're super important to the choices that I've made now. So thank you, Simon. If somehow you magically happen to hear this. Um, but also, you know, I'm, I'm 35 now and I'm doing this. I'm not 26 or 27. If I tried to do this 10 years ago, I'd be, you know, I'd be working in a restaurant right now. And I'd actually be okay doing that. If it, can, if it comes to that, that's what I'll do. <laughs> but yeah, um, I couldn't have done it earlier where I was at in my life, I didn't have the maturity, I didn't have the skill, didn't have the vision, didn't, didn't have any of it. You know, it's just not, not there yet. So, you know, it's, it's something you probably resonate with this, Marshall. Like sometimes you can like, you know, we preach things to young people, like tell them things. And sometimes it's like they'll take it like to heart prematurely, you know, like, okay, we should all be looking at life in this way. And I kind of have to, at least for me, maybe you, you already experienced this, but I'm kind of waking up to this, like, oh shit, I'm telling these people these things and like, you know, they're going to be coming to these conclusions about their life or realistically, they still have like 10 years of a grind ahead of them where they kind of like earned the skills and the network and the life experience and maturity to be able to execute on their vision. You know, and if they go drop out now, yeah. some of them are going to be in a hard place. Yeah, some, some. It, it really depends on the person. I mean, you have college dropouts that go on to make it in their early 20s. I, I mean, it, it's... I think it depends more on the person than the age, but yeah, definitely age has something to do with it. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. I mean, there's people like Knight, you know, like Knight Zhang, who we know Marshall is, you know, she's, she should be, you know, she should not be in school. <laughs> in my opinion. <laughs> Knight may hear this and figure this is the public oh, no. call for me to leave. Yeah. <laughs> Knight, we, Knight, we love you and respect you and you're an amazing artist and you're really good. What are some of the challenges that you've experienced with things like starting a YouTube channel, starting a Patreon, mm. starting Tarpit Studios, like, you know, what are those things that you need to uh, work hard to get over? Um, a lot of it is fear. A lot of it is fear. Oh, really? Okay. Of, yeah, a lot of it's fear of like really putting yourself out there. I don't even just mean like uh, socially, like here on social media doing videos, like that's part of it. But another part is um, putting your, like making the great product, like putting in the necessary amount of work, you know, like really arriving to do the work that needs to be done. You know, like I need to get a course going, you know, I need to get a, get a Proco course going and that's going to demand that's like right. a, and that's going to demand <laughs> really like a, like a couple months of me kind of like really bringing it. A couple months. Marshall, what do you have to let's, say let's about that? Let's just keep going with what Scott's <laughs> talking about. <laughs> okay. But you get it. That's part of it, Marshall. Is it's a kind right? It's like a thing where you have to. It's a to bring your best. The thing that's going to like embody your 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 philosophies. Like it's it's really going to be a representative of like who you are, and you can really get caught up in the um, you know, and caught up in it. And uh, like th that's both important, but I also you know I want to be careful. I want to actually get the thing done. You know, like get Amen. Done. That's going to demand some really hard work at a level that maybe I haven't engaged in yet in my life. Like so far, think of it like this, like everything I've done in games, 
is like me doing, I don't know, 80% of my best or something. Even when I think I'm doing my best, I'm not really doing my best because I'm actually doing it for someone else and it's someone else's vision. And they're basically kind of like dragging me along with money. You know, even if I seem all happy, it's like, fundamentally, that's not what I would be doing if left to my own devices. I wouldn't be doing that job that I'm getting paid to do. So I'm being coerced to a certain degree. Even if I've got a smile on my face, I would not be doing that shit if I was not getting paid the salary. I'd be sculpting crazy monsters or whatever. You know, I'd be, I'd be doing something different, playing with my son. But this... So is that what you're doing now? You're just sculpting crazy monsters? No, but that's part of what I'm doing. I try to, you know, I mentioned, you know, trying to, you know, maintain your creative, creative integrity, like investing in, uh, yeah. you know, being able to walk the walk. So, you know, I still do some digital stuff, right. but like the, of course, I'm still doing digital stuff, but the, the sculpting is like the place where I'm still like, I feel like I'm really like, I don't know, that's the, the new like frontier for myself where I have like a lot to learn, like a, there's a long way to go and a lot to explore and it's where I sort of like put my money where my mouth is with the young guys where I'm still doing stuff. I'm still vital and creative and I have something to show for it and I can share it with people, you know? I'm not just like yeah. talking about the cool thing that I'm working on. There's stuff and it's gathering around my place and I work with my son and I'm modeling being my creativity to him and uh, that, that that's what the sculpting is, is, is about. It's my, my place to be free, you know? I want to throw something into this, though, that is a balancing comment about I I do understand the thing about working on your own project versus a, a hired hand who helps somebody with a project. And I think that your personality, and your temperament, uh, your self-esteem is as it's developing, seeing that I'm not that guy. I'm the guy who's got my own ideas and wants to do my own thing. There are some people who thrive as workers helping people carry through their vision. Uh, yeah. And all they thrive at it partly because they're working with people who have such vision that they admire. Uh, I can fit into both camps. I, I like working for people who I am. They're going to pay me money to do something to help one with their project. And I look at their project and I say, yeah, I want to be on that project and just use me as a hired hand and see if I can bring my creativity to this thing that is your project. And then there are people on the other end of the spectrum that, as, as Vance has said this more than once, they are so happy to have their name in the credit of the movie that all they did was a technical job, that all they did was composite in, in a program all day long and take out the the edges that are, are uh, revealing that it's a special effect and their satisfaction is that I was on that team. And I think that we, we do with this podcast have a bias toward the entrepreneur's spirit. For sure. I also think that there are a lot of people who listen to this podcast and who pay attention to us. Their aspiration is to work for the big company. There's a family identity in it. There is a, my family yeah. is proud of me because I got to work for the big company that everybody's name, uh, everybody recognizes their name. So I, I throw that in because I can see, Scott, that you are definitely the type who, when the drum beat is not the drum beat that you want to march to, you start to recognize you're out of step and that you could be <laughs> yeah. making your own drum beat, which is what you're doing. Yeah. Now, I think that's very, that's totally appropriate. That makes that's, that's, you know, there's a kind of a certain amount of, um, 
got to build yourself up. You know, there's a certain amount of like, yeah, I'm fucking doing this, man. Like, I'm, you know, there's a certain amount of like, this is the way, this is the way. It's a kind of like, um, you know, you got to, yeah, you got to talk yourself up so you can go forth and execute and really believe in it. And there's a certain amount of that kind of like bluster and, you know, and, but, but I actually, in the things I'm saying, but I, I also, like, I actually, that's, that's fully how I feel. Yeah. You're also appealing to people who are going to pick up your vision. Uh, I know that you share your vision. I gather that with your yeah. the, the students you're around. But there, there are people that are going to be working for you as well as with you that say, "Hey, I'm I'm excited to work for Scott." Yeah, but at the same time, like I think it's really important. Like even these these young guys, so we're all working together. Like from from my perspective, I think it's really important to take that idea of you know maintaining you know your artistic integrity or like investing in your, you know, creative integrity. I, I, I take that really serious with these guys. I like encourage them to work on their own stuff, develop their own voice. Don't just be like, you know, don't be like me. Like that's not the goal at all. Let's get you all to a place where we create like a powerful network of people who are all, you know, like strong individuals. Like that's, I don't know. I, I feel like that's, I could be wrong, but I feel like there's potential. There's that kind of potential in everyone, you know, in different degrees. Like I'll never be president of the United States or, a, you know, the owner of Riot or something, but I'll be the owner of something, you know, and I think like there's that, there, there's this whole, you know, this whole spectrum of places where people can, you know, fully exercise their identities. Good leadership attitude. Yeah. Yeah. Learning about that is a lot to learn there, but that's like a deep, that's, that's interesting. That's been an interesting thing to, you know, begin to those kind of issues of like motivating you, motivating people and just the, um, you know, the conversations and uh, all of the nurturing that, you know, is necessary when it comes to leadership. It's, that's been interesting for me that I, I like, but it's, it's just, it's new. It's new to be in this role. So, yeah. So since I left, I started the Patreon and that's been re really helpful and really cool. Um, Using it as a way to prototype merchandise and stuff for future, like future products that we're going to sell through our like company website, specifically like apparel and just all kinds of fun stuff. Like we did some fun, I'll put them actually, we did some, these like funky monster socks we got here that I gave out to some of the patrons and, um, that's cool. We made, we did some like custom baseball bats and just all kinds of weird stuff, like little tests on a, like a small art book. Uh, interesting yeah, I thought your caps. Patreon was about mentorship where people could like get private tutoring from you yeah that's like the main oh yeah he's passing the baseball bat <laughs> Alex, like, ooh look at that um, it is that's like the main that's like the main thing but okay there's a lot I want to do so the, the thing is with, yeah. with Patreons part of the model is you know part of the way to get people interested is you got you gotta have some something to share with them or something to drive interest and so these yeah. merchandising prototype experiments, I end up with this stuff in my place and they're like small batches and, you know, they're not always quite right. Like I don't quite know what to, you know, it's just like a couple items. I need to do something with it. And so I can then, you know, give it away to just to the Patreon supporters every month. I do these like special gifts. So, you know, give out an art book. I can give out a sculpture, like a handmade sculpture that I've done. I can give out pair of the funky socks or a big art print or a custom crazy baseball bat, you know, like just, it's just a place for me to try things at small scale and see what works. 
and give them to people who are genuinely interested in my developing brand and they're following it. You know, it's uh, and and it won't take up too much space in my apartment as I experiment. <laughs> Interesting. Um, th that's just like one of the things I'm doing. But yeah, the mentorships are the main thing, and it's a lot like the classes I teach at LCAD, where it just you know someone will reach out, and it's mostly about helping them develop their voice, like helping them identify what their interests are and what they really want to do, and then building a plan so we can start to make that happen. Are you putting a limit on how many? I am. Yeah, I do. Right now I've got, I think I've got like nine or 10. So I've, I've opened up a little more for the summertime because, you know, I'm not teaching at LCAD now. So you're at your limit right now. Yeah, I'm at my limit right now, but every once in a while I'll open up another slot just to, you know, the truth, the truth is I actually do have quite a bit of bandwidth opened up now that LCAD's over. So they get like three mm -hmm. days a week back basically. So is it always individual or do you meet in small groups? It's always individual right now. I'm most comfortable with that. And I can really like focus on one individual, you know, just like really talk to them about who they are. And again, it's like, I really want to do a good job. You know, so if like I'm, I'm going to really connect with them as an individual, really find out what makes them tick. And uh, it seems to be working pretty well. I like all the people. I imagine that takes a lot of time, you know, like, each individual person, it goes beyond the one hour that you have with them during the call. That's the truth. I mean, you told me that initially, dude. It's like, it's not the best business model. But this thing, it's not necessarily, <laughs> it's not the long game. You know, it's it's just, it's a part of all of this. And I think at some point, you know, as I, you know, as a company, as I begin to get things up and running, get a course up and running, um, I can, I can like pull back on that a little bit, like maybe just do a handful you know, it may be like a higher price point, like once there's demand or something in the future, if there's demand, I could do that. But for now, it's yeah. really, it's really helpful. Honestly, all these people are helping me survive. So, thank you to all my Patreon yeah. supporters. I mean, for it might reals. be a b bad business model long term, but it, it's definitely something worth doing. It's very useful for those students that you're helping. And it's useful for me. Like, they're helping me. It's, it's symbiotic. Like, like, I'm helping them, but they're yeah. helping me cover my overhead and like, it's, it's, it's important. You know, I'm not making a ton, but it's, it's working. And we've got the Tar Pit Studios company going. That's sort of like the umbrella for all of it. At least that's part of the idea. The hypothesis is get a bunch of these really talented young guys that I've been mentoring and investing in for the last few years, get us all together, continue to pour myself into them. You know, they're kind of, you know, they're seeing me do this stuff and they're getting to be involved in it. You know, they're getting to kind of like be adjacent to it learn by osmosis and it's not going to be long before they all start like having, you know, awesome channels. Like they're going to start, they're going to start, you know, kicking ass and surpassing me. And that's part of the point is to build this strong, like a crew, a team yeah. know, that uh, we can all spend time together, work on passion projects. Uh, you know, I, I watch a lot of the comedians, the comedian community, um, like Joe Rogan and you know Brendan Schaub and all those crew of comedian guys, and this is this is exactly what they do. They have, they they create this like like a feedback loop, you know, between e each other and their and their respective brands. You know, they're cycling all their fan base amongst each other. And when one guy introduces like a new piece of content, you know, if you're waiting for the next Joe Rogan thing and it's not there yet, you can go see the thing that Brendan Schaub is up to, or you can see the thing that Theo Vaughn is up to, or Chris D'Elia, or etc. I've actually learned a lot from watching those guys. It's super smart and they all have their own merchandise. Um, anyway, so, so that's what I'm thinking is we build up all these guys. We, we 
but only guys you really trust and you really give a damn about, you know, like you actually really give a damn about because you're going to be working together ideally for the rest of your lives, you know, so there's a bit of vetting and, you know, you really learn what they're made of and what they're about and then feel like you can trust them and you take them under your wing and we start to go do stuff. That's the idea. And, you know, in five or 10 years, all these young guys are going to be like senior artists, art directors, creative directors, like, you know, like owners of their own IPs and we'll all have, we'll all have made it together and we'll have great stories to tell, you know, about the times when we we're struggling when they were helping me figure out how to shoot a podcast in my tiny little apartment, you know, <laughs> like that's, that stuff. I look for, I look forward to that. I really, I could see that in the future. It's, it's fun. It's part of it all. Are there any gals? Gals? Yeah. I mean, is it all guys? Is it a boys club? It's only five of us or four of us in the Tar Pit Studios crew and it is all dudes in this group of four, in this group of five. But no, it's not all, it's not all girls. I do run and I do run a little event that I've been doing the last, this will be the third year, uh, called King's Beach. That is actually specifically for young men and it's been wonderful. We do it every summer. Mm -hmm. A summer we rented a, like a big cabin in Big Bear and I got some of my buddies from Riot and um, this year I want to do it and I want to try to get Stan to come and maybe you Marshall. And so in that way, the Kings Beach thing is currently a kind of boys club, but it's not a hard rule. And it, like we invited, we invited Knight last year, and but she just she didn't want to come, <laughs> and that makes sense <laughs> because it's a bunch of dudes sitting around farting and you know telling stupid jokes and stuff. <laughs> Is that what it's about? Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, hundred percent, just farting and you know making bad <laughs> art and you know. Okay. No, it's awesome. We spend uh, no. We actually, what it's really about is living the perfect day. It's like, what does that mean to live the perfect day? And it's been a big part of like leading to, you know, what I've decided to do here is we wake up early in the morning, like 6 a.m. and we go do something athletic. We go like do stand-up paddle, or kayaking, go for a hike, go play volleyball, we get some breakfast, we come back, we all feel good. We've actually like used our physical human bodies, you know. Then we come back and we work on an art project together. We're all painting in oil. Some of the guys go off and do plein air. We're all working on sculpture projects or kit bashing. And then we like wind the evening down with a fire pit and some drinks. And then we get up the next morning and do it all over again. And it's a kind of a sprint over the course of a week. You know, there's no one walking around like, there's no, none of this like bullshit. Like, can you, can you look at my, can you look at my portfolio? Like no, none of the stuff that usually comes around with networking events. We're not selling tickets, you know, like everyone there is someone that I know that I've developed a relationship with that I care about. And the older guys that come, it's the same thing. It's about these younger guys getting to have an organic, authentic uh, networking experience with older men. And I think, it's, I think it's really powerful. I think it's actually like the natural way things should work. That's the way things should go down, you know, at their, at their best for young men. Why do you call it Tar Pits? Well, that's different. Tar Pit Studios? Yeah, that's this the, was King's Beach, right? Yeah, King's Beach is the thing with the dudes. <laughs> and that has, you know, multiple layers to it. For one thing, I was living in Playa del Rey and that's what that means in Spanish. Okay. When we first did it, it was oh, the, be it was okay. the beach, it was the beach of the king. Okay. Yeah. And it also sounds kind of dope for young men. That's just yeah. the truth. It sounds cool. King's Beach. Yeah. Tell me about the name Tar Pit. That comes because I've always had a fascination with Pleistocene mammals, like ancient prehistoric mammals. And I spent a lot of time at the Brea Tar Pits. Mm. As a kid growing up, I know quite a bit about Pleistocene mammals. Um, also it's, there's a period, you know, in my life, like right around later years of college and up until 
you know, I don't know, maybe when my, a couple years before my son was born, there was a period where I was really, really struggling with my technical craft, like really did not know what the hell I was doing and did not have a proper mentor, did not have teachers who could, I did not have the, you know, the YouTube explosion hadn't, I didn't have the tools and was not smart enough or self-aware enough to figure out how to go about finding the tools or the answers. So I was basically in a tar pit, like I was like in this place of just struggling. I mean, look at this painting right here. Actually, this is a this is the kind of art. This well, is we can't of, see it. Okay, well you'll see it on the camera later because we're recording it. But there's <laughs> okay. like there's a whole a period of my life where a lot of the art is like pretty dark and frustrated, and it's basically a young man banging his head against the wall trying to figure out what the hell he's doing. Mm. And it's reflective of like a lack of knowledge, you know, a lack of a of a master, of a teacher, right. but a will to persevere. And uh, that's in some ways what the tarpet is about. Is like like that all of us like being in the pit together, you know, we're figuring it out. We're following our own paths, you know, but I also just like saber tooth tigers and shit, you know, like that's also part of, for reals, that's like part of, because it's Southern California. Um, it seems sort of like, like appropriate as far as like, like the local, from my perspective, yeah. like anyways. For people who don't know the La Brea Tar Pits, the Page Museum at the La Brea Tar Pits in Los Angeles is a wonderful little museum. And I've been there 40 plus times. Uh, it's got a great collection of bones that were pulled yeah. out of the ground in Los Angeles. And it's one tiny little fraction of 1% of all of the bones that went into the tar pits there in Los Angeles over the last number of eras. And I was hoping it wasn't about getting caught in tar pits. I was hoping it was more about all the cool things that you pull out of tar pits that make marvelous monsters and creatures. That is, yeah, yeah, that is actually that is part of it. It's just that that's that's where that's the um that's the seed. Those are the seeds. Yeah. yeah. But now you know with tar pit wars, that game we've been working on. That's that's exactly what it's about. Okay. It's about like like you bringing together all these different like disparate elements of creature design, hard surface design you know, weaponry, anatomy, and you're, you're freestyling it. You're bringing it all together in uh, basically infinite, you know, combinations. And it's a place for, you know, up and coming, well, and guys like myself, it's a place for people who are into creature design to play and run amok. You know, there's really no, like most, most game systems, the business model is to bring you into their game and you have to buy their, their stuff. And, and that totally makes sense. But that's not at all what this is about. It's very niche. It's just about like a place for creature design. Like right now, if you look on the internet on ArtStation, there's tons of amazing creature designs being being made by young people in their portfolios with little or no context. Like there's no application. They're just making all this amazing stuff. It's kind of going into the void. And part of what I imagine for Tar Pit Wars is this like large umbrella brand that can create, it's like a, it will be a platform for young creature designers to come and kind of like uh, cut their, you know, cut their teeth, like try out stuff and, and like test their design sensibilities against other artists in a kind of competition, but one that's like very rules, casual, very low key. It's not hyper, not, not hyper competitive at all. Like there's actually, in some cases there's like a drinking game aspect to it. Like, we'll like, you know, <laughs> like we make it, it's, it's meant to be fun. It's just, it's not, it's not like playing Warhammer fantasy. Like it's not complex, it's something you could play if you were a little buzzed and you're not really, and you're more interested in having a conversation with the creature designer next to you. You could still play this game. It's part of the idea. Well, thank you, Scott.
Thank you, Scott, for being uh, our first guest. My pleasure. Thank you guys very much. That's a, that's a really special opportunity. I appreciate it. And it means a lot with the history between, you know, just the, the history of, you know, being a, a, like a student from afar of Marshalls. It's special to me to come on and get to chat to him like this. It's a big deal. So thank, thank you guys. Oh, wow. Well, great. Can you tell people where they could follow you or support you if they, or just learn more about you? Yeah. So I've got an Instagram account. It's at shapecarver. And we've got our uh, Tar Pit Studios website that we just launched, and the, the company is in its infancy. But if you go there, just tarpitstudios.com, you'll get a feel for what we're about. We've got some good information there. The store is about to go live in the summertime, and we'll have some merchandise. Just apparel and simple things, and really, again, they're just experiments to see how people respond if, if they're interesting, and because we're, we're interested in apparel. And, um, and then I've got my Patreon, so uh, patreon.com slash shape carver and um, if you're interested in doing a private mentorship again like i could i could i could honestly use that income over the summertime i could let's be real so if you're interested you could message me and i could potentially open up a slot for you we'll see um but yeah any support on there would be wonderful really appreciate it even you know i've got a couple different tiers well I'm, I'm, I'm like tweaking them trying to figure out the right you know combination of offerings but i'm feeling good about it so, again, thank you guys so much, Stan. I really appreciate like everything you do for me, man. Been a, you've been a good help. Absolutely, man. It's it's been awesome working with you. More to come. Yeah, more to come for sure. Yeah, I can always count on you to get good content out there. So you make it easy to work with you. Thank you. The Pixel Logic thing was cool, man. That turned I think that turned out pretty good. Yeah. Oh my God. His his um his three D print of it ended up being so cool. He said he's going to send me a copy of it. Yeah, and he sent me a copy of the digital file so I could print my own too. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> Next, <fun>. level. Next <laughs> level. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Marshall, thank you. Thank you, Scott. Okay, we'll do another one. Yeah, we'll have you on again sometime. Word. Bye-bye. All right, bye, guys.